0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Um, Kids, there are pictures for you to look at, so you can look as well. I'm super impressed, though, at how quiet you've been. They're doing really well, aren't they? Um, I'm going to talk about birth to start with. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's, It's very, very amazing and very, very mysterious. Somehow there's this little single cell embryo and it divides and it grows and then the cells start to change and become different parts of the body and within a couple of months there's a clearly defined baby in the womb. There's still plenty of growth to go, the organs and body parts are only partly formed but there's an obvious outline of a baby. And then within a few more months, there's a fully developed little baby floating in a sack of warm fluid, ready to undergo one of the greatest transitions in life, the transition of birth. Before birth, this baby's in a warm, comfortable, somewhat limited environment. Everything's dark, there's nowhere to go, nothing to do, but at the same time, there's nothing to worry about. No knowledge of a bigger, deeper reality. And then something unexpected happens. For some reason that I don't think anyone really understands, a complex of sequence events begins and labour starts. Usually, of course, in the middle of the night. Labour itself can be quick or it can be long. I've had friends who have spent well over a day in labour. When Nicole went into labour with Annie, our third child, Everything happened really, really fast. So fast that we almost didn't make it to the hospital in time. All up, I think, the beginning of labour to birth was less than two hours. So some labours are long, some are short. There's a variability in quality as well of what the labour is like. Some labours can be smooth, easy. Others can be painful and difficult. But if all goes well, and and sadly everything doesn't always go well, but if everything does go well, the rend result is the same regardless of how fast or slow, how easy or difficult the labour was. An unborn baby, yes, it was in a secure, a safe, a warm environment, but a dark, restricted environment. It gets pushed out into this big, wide world, a world that's unpredictable, that's a lot harsher than the safe environment it came from. But it's also a world that's infinitely more fascinating. A world that's full of light and sound and life and experiences. Birth is a pretty mysterious and amazing event, isn't it? And it marks one of, or probably the most remarkable and amazing transformation from one form of life to an entirely new form of life, more exciting. In my work in the hospital, I see a lot of people at the other end of their life, people who are near the end of their earthly life. I remember once caring for a man who was approaching the end of his life. He had pancreas cancer and as he got more frail, we spoke about him going to a nursing home. One day I spoke to him about, um, one day as I spoke to him, he, he spoke to me And I had this sense that he had a Christian faith that was really important to him, so I asked him about it. And he said it was really important to him, and he supposed I could actually call him a born again Christian. Born again. Odd term, isn't it? Not one that we hear a lot in Australia, but in some parts of the world, it's a term that's frequently used. Years ago, Nicole and I spent five weeks driving from one side of America to the other in a car, and on Sundays we would visit churches like this one here in in Sioux City, and quite often people in churches would ask us, are you born again? When was the last time you asked someone that? We had that pretty much every week when we travelled across America. Frequently in the Midwest, we would hear this term, born again. I'm not sure what comes to your mind when, when you think about the word or the term born again, Perhaps it's a term that generates negative images and thoughts in your mind. Or maybe it makes you think of a particular form of Christianity. Or perhaps it's not a term that's familiar to you at all. But one thing that may not be obvious is that being born again was a term that Jesus used. In fact, as far as I'm aware, Jesus was the first person to use that term. He coined the phrase, The closest thing in other religions to being born again is probably the idea of the cycle of rebirths, of reincarnation in Hinduism. But this is different from Jesus' idea of being born again. The phrase and idea of born again is, I think, one of the strange and unique things that Jesus thought up. And Jesus certainly had a lot of strange thoughts and ideas, didn't he? Here are some of the strange things that Jesus said. I am the gate. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You're the salt of the earth. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. Jesus said a lot of really strange things, didn't he? And what Jesus said about being born again uh, to be, about being born again is certainly right up there in the strangeness stakes. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But it doesn't just sound strange to us, that term being born again. Nicodemus, the man Jesus was speaking to, he also thought this was strange. Let's go back to the Bible passage and look at what happened. So the passage started with the man Nicodemus going to meet Jesus. Nicodemus was an important leader in the Jewish community. He was a leading teacher, a well-respected figure. It's kind of interesting. He came to Jesus at night, in the night. Take a look at the phrase, in the night. Anyone want to take a guess what it means? What does it mean when it said, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? Who's going to share the answer? It's probably not a trick question. He was doing it in secret. He didn't want people to know. That's good. He was doing it in secret. Yep. Good thought. Any other thoughts? Another thought. <laughs> well, going on the born again theme, he still hasn't been born again. So it's like he's in the darkness, like a baby in a womb. Hasn't come out. Very nice. I think you're onto something there. So. Obviously at first glance you think it means exactly what it says Nicodemus came to Jesus sometime after the sun had set and sometime before it rose again and I'm sure that's true but it could also mean something else the man who wrote the story here was the gospel of uh, was uh, the apostle John a friend of Jesus and throughout all of his writings you'll notice that John wrote a lot about light and darkness these are themes in his book and in his letters. And in these, in these letters and book, light is about understanding and insight, and darkness is about ignorance and lack of understanding. So I reckon John was actually making a subtle point that although Nicodemus was famous, well-respected, a learned teacher, and although Jesus was just some backwater-wandering preacher, it was actually Nicodemus who lacked deeper spiritual insight Nicodemus was in darkness. However, Nicodemus Nicodemus was at least insightful enough to know that Jesus was special. Somehow something was special about Jesus. Because after all, Nicodemus came and sought out Jesus. And the first thing that Nicodemus said shows Nicodemus had his heart in the right place. He said, Jesus, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. But before we could even continue then, Jesus interrupted, answering that question that Nicodemus had really come to ask, telling Nicodemus all about the kingdom of God. So like most Jewish people of the day of Jesus, Nicodemus was waiting with a lot of excitement for the Deliverer, the Messiah. And probably he was, expected, he was expecting the coming of the Messiah to shake up the political world, the ruling classes, to establish a theocracy, a permanent government of God, a kingdom of God. The Jewish people at the time were under the occupation of the Roman soldiers, and they passionately desired freedom from Rome. They passionately believed that God was going to send them a king who was going to deliver them and bring them that freedom and set up this new kingdom, this kingdom of God. And so I think Nicodemus was probably coming to ask Jesus if he was that king who was going to set up the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was probably thinking of a big military and political campaign, and that's what he came to ask about. But instead, Jesus answered in a way that said to him, you're not going to see the kingdom of God because some messiah rides in with an army to overthrow the government and set up a theocracy. That's not what you're going to see. No, the kingdom of God's going to be something entirely different. And people won't see it unless they get born again. It's starting to sound a bit weird, isn't it? This is strange stuff. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought it was strange too. Because look at what he said to Jesus. He said, how can this be? What are you talking about, Jesus? This sounds crazy. Well, if Nicodemus had trouble understanding it, he's not alone. Through the ages, Christians have asked the question again and again, what does it mean to be born again? And there are actually all sorts of opinions out there. And so that's what I want us to think about today. Let's try and understand what Jesus meant when he said, You need to be born again. A reasonable answer is going to require a bit of thinking, a bit of analysis, but it can be found in this story itself. So the first thing that immediately becomes obvious about this new birth is that Jesus wasn't speaking about anything physical. He's talking about something spiritual. In verse 6, Jesus said, humans can reproduce only human life, but the spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In other words, it's a physical thing when a baby is born. A physical baby comes out of a physical woman, enters the life in this physical world. But being born again isn't physical like this. It isn't about a king coming and establishing a physical political kingdom that everyone can live in. It's different. It's about a spiritual birth where a person enters life with God. Birth's about entering life in a into a new life in this physical world. But being born again is about entering into a new spiritual life with God. So as Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in verse 5, he said this, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. He said this directly after saying, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. There's a parallel way of speaking here. In in verse 5, Jesus was just restating and expanding what he said in verse 3. To see the kingdom of God is the same as to enter the kingdom of God. And being born of water and the Spirit, that's the same as being born again. In these words of verse 5, Jesus is describing something about being born again. Being born again clearly has something to do with being born of water and the Spirit. But what on earth does that mean? What does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? That explanation Jesus gives in verse 5 hardly seems to clear things up, does it? It's worth remembering though, who was Jesus speaking to when he said these things? He wasn't speaking to just anyone. He wasn't speaking. He was speaking to a highly educated man, a man who was an expert in the Old Testament. So perhaps as he's explaining this idea of being born again, he's alluding to images and ideas that are found in the Old Testament. So, in the Old Testament, are there any passages that talk about both water and the Spirit together? Is anyone aware of any? The creation account. I hadn't thought of that one. That's uh, Genesis 1-2. The water hovered over the, the spirit hovered over the waters. It's very thoughtful. Any other passages? The parting of the Red Sea. The of the Red sea. God breathing. That's a good one. So the one that came to my mind, and I think this is probably the most clear one. There are plenty of passages to talk about spirit, and there are plenty of passages to talk about water, and you've just identified two that talk about both. But there's a third one, and this is the one that's in Ezekiel. It talks about water and spirit together. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God speaking to his people said this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, And you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. I think Jesus was thinking about Ezekiel 36 when he talked about being born of water and the spirit to Nicodemus. And if this is the case, what Jesus is talking about is. Total transformation. Stone to flesh is definitely all about total transformation. So when Jesus spoke about being born again with water and spirit, he's talking about having a total change. Physical birth into life in the outside world involves a massive transformation. Spiritual rebirth, though, is also about a massive transformation. This transformation has something to do with becoming clean, An old, rotten, dirty heart of stone is washed clean, sprinkled with water to become a beautiful, clean, living heart. It's about a person who was driven by greed and selfishness, being transformed into a person of charity. Or a person who was ruled by drug addiction, being changed instead to a person ruled by God. Or about a person who's overwhelmed by bitterness and the desire for vengeance, finally becoming able to show mercy and forgiveness. Being born again into life with God, it's meant to be about us being transformed from the inside out, being changed at the real depths of our heart. So you know the saying, a leopard can't change his spots. That means a person can't change his deeper character. Jesus is contradicting this. He says being born again involves exactly that. A leopard does change his spots. So I'm sure Nicodemus was a very smart man. He was well respected. He was famous. And I think he understood something of what Jesus was saying here. But just like most of us, he seemed to want a deeper explanation about the mechanism of how this actually happens. How, what actually happens when someone's born again? Well, in verse 4... He said to Jesus, how can this be? How does it happen? How can someone be born again? And it seems like a good question. I understand the desire to know that. I want an explanation of that too. I can understand how someone might want to know how our hearts can be transformed at their very core. For an answer to that question, Jesus spoke about wind. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. On a stormy night, you look outside and you say it's windy, don't you? You don't say that because you know exactly what's happening with air pressure and meteorology. Or at least I don't say that with that knowledge. I reckon uh, Aidan might. (laughs) I look outside, though, and say, I know it's windy because I can see branches moving. I can hear the howling of the wind. I can't explain what's happening, but I can't deny that it's windy. When a storm is brewing, the wind's obvious, even though we don't know why it's happening. Jesus said that someone who's born again, when someone's born again, we can see the transformation. We can see the change in their life. We can't explain it. It doesn't necessarily make sense. There's no simple logical flow that we can draw that explains it. But it's the way it is. You can see the change has happened. Now, sometimes that change isn't going to be as obvious as other times, because some people have had a good start to life. And when there's a good starting point, that transformation of being born again isn't perhaps as obvious. But sometimes that change is incredibly obvious, like it was for Jill. I'm going to read a small portion of an autobiography from Jill. For the next 12 years, I continued to spiral down from one bad experience to another. Abortion after abortion, living on the streets, chasing after my next fix of drugs, sleeping with men who sold drugs to get high. I went to jail again, and then again, and finally again. One Sunday night, I got into an automobile accident. I'd fallen asleep at the wheel and hit a woman who had stopped at a red light. I was very lucky. I didn't go to jail. She wasn't hurt bad enough to go to hospital. But I totaled my car and was grounded. Funny thing is, this was the event that made me hand it all over. I prayed to God to fix me because I couldn't fix myself. I realised the accident could have been worse. I had drugs on me and I could have killed the woman and gone to prison for a very long time. Yet God spared me that fate. And finally, God had made me start to be able to surrender my life to him. He delivered me from drugs. I can't explain it. I just sort of walked through the whole thing in a daze, just following, at last not trying to run. God walked me through it and brought me out the other side. Jill's life changed when she was born again. She was transformed when she found life with God. That's what being born again is about. It's like the wind. It's obvious, it's undeniable. You can't deny it when it happens, but you can't always explain it. Perhaps the reason being born again can't be explained is because it's not a natural phenomenon. There's something supernatural about being born again. In verses 5 and 6, Jesus said that being born again has something to do with God's Spirit. In Ezekiel, God said that he would sprinkle hearts with water, taking away hearts of stone, making hearts of flesh. And as Jesus continued to explain being born against Nicodemus, he then referred to a really obscure Old Testament story. In verse 14 and 15, he said this, Just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, I don't know if you know that story. Plenty of us probably may not know that story. But as an expert in the Old Testament, Nicodemus would have known that story well. This is a story that occurred around 3,000 years ago at the time of the Exodus, when God had raised up Moses to bring people out of slavery from Egypt. So the Israelite people had been rescued and they were wandering through the wilderness area of Sinai in the Middle East. This is a story then that's described in Numbers 21 in the Bible. The people grew impatient with the long journey. They began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we have this horrible manner. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against God and you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake. Attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten will simply, will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made the snake out of bronze and attached it to the pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake would look at the bronze snake and be healed. Strange story, isn't it? Really odd story. But that very strangeness is a key feature of that story. It isn't an everyday story. It's not usual. It's strange, It's, it's bizarre. It's impossible actually. People don't just live by looking at a statue after they've been bitten by a poisonous snake. That's impossible unless there's a supernatural intervention by God. That's what we have here in the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Just as God supernaturally healed people dying of a snake bite, God also supernaturally transforms the heart of a person who's being born again. That's what Jesus is claiming. That's what he's promising. And just like God's supernatural intervention with Moses and the snake saved people from death and brought them life. Just like this, God's supernatural intervention in rebirth is all about bringing life to people. It's about transforming and bringing people into life with God. Not just life in this life, but life eternally. This is what Jesus then said. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. To birth can be quick or slow, easy or difficult. But if all goes well, life is totally different afterwards. Spiritual birth, being born again, that can also be quick or slow easy or difficult. But in the same way, life is transformed afterwards. A baby in the womb is in darkness. It's warm and safe, but it's in darkness. After birth, things have changed dramatically. The child can open up his eyes and see the world. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said being born again. We can move from a spiritually dark life, in in darkness, completely transformed then into real life of light. There's so much more to offer. But there's a difference between, perhaps, I think at least, natural birth and being born again. Unlike natural birth, being born again is actually a choice. We can either choose to believe Jesus or we can choose to disregard what he said. We can choose to be born again or we can choose not to and to remain in darkness. Each person has that choice to make. So, one, one final thought I'd like to share it's about what happens after birth. Now, while it's true that birth is a transforming process bringing a baby into life in the outside world, in reality, it's only the beginning. A baby needs to grow, to be fed, to start to understand the world around. A baby's going to stumble and fall, and it takes years for a baby to mature. That's also what it's like when we're born again. It starts with this massive transformation of the heart, where a heart that was previously in darkness and self-centred becomes transformed to be a heart that's in light and lives in God's presence. But that transformation has only just begun And it needs to continue throughout life. There's going to be episodes of stumbling and falling. It takes time to mature spiritually. So, wherever each of us is in our spiritual journey, we shouldn't be discouraged. Growth takes time, there are always setbacks. But the key is, despite these setbacks, despite the time it takes, we will be growing into maturity once we've been born again. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, can I encourage you, take notice of those words of Jesus who said you can't see God unless you're born again. And understand that coming to know God is a life transforming event. It's not about condemnation, it's not about rules, not about regulations. It's not about even becoming a better person. It's actually about being transformed into a new life with Jesus and with God. And this life in the outside world of light, it's deep, it's fulfilling and it's eternal. So grab hold of that new life and keep being transformed. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can truly know you, truly live. There's so many deep mysteries in the Bible, so much in this spiritual world that's unseen to us that we don't understand. Open our hearts to understand it more daily and help us to live in this new reborn life. Amen.